welcome to the Weekend Memphis! I am Toby Sales, news editor of the Memphis Flyer, and I am the hap, hap, happy host of Flyer Radio. Now that's the radio show you are listening to right now from right around here in Memphis, Tennessee, beaming to you from WYXR, your crosstown radio. We're also available around the globe via our podcast, which you can find any place you find your podcast. Radio Flyer is proudly picked from the pages and people of the Memphis Flyer. And I want to give a thanks again to Robbie and JB and Shelby and everyone at WYXR for giving us this little corner of the YXR universe. Thank you all so much. Welcome to April, y'all. I cannot believe that three months of 2021 are already behind us. Now, January and February were tough, to say the least, and, and March came in like a lion and went out like a lamb, as the old saying goes. But, of course, we know that's not true at all. How many times were we pounded by severe storms in late March, huh? How many times did we hear the tornado sirens? And it felt like every time I turned around, those terrible screeching warning sounds from the National Weather Service, they were hitting my phone or my television. I mean, I am glad that we get a warning, but man, I wish they'd change that sound. Maybe they could change it to, you know, maybe the Juicy Fruit jingle. Every time a line of bad weather is headed this way, you'd hear, take a stick, pull it out. The taste is going to move you when you pop it in your mouth. You know, I took that gag way farther than was was necessary or even wanted, (laughs) really. (laughs) So apologies. Thanks for sticking with me. Warmer weather is here, and that's a good thing in my book. Right now, COVID-19 cases are rising a bit, but they're still pretty low. I'm not a doctor, but I did go to Rail Garden last weekend, and I can tell you folks are getting pretty loose uh, about wearing their masks and social distancing. Health experts are asking everyone to just hang on tight a little bit longer, but man, I really think once this weather gets here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Good news, though. Every adult over age 16 can now go get a COVID-19 vaccine. And please don't forget what incredible news that really is. Because in the beginning, vaccine doses were low, appointments were really hard to get, and the phasing meant that many folks wouldn't get a vaccine until June or July. But now they've opened it up to everyone 16 and up, and that is just a glorious thing. So please, if you can, go get that shot, get that Fauci ouchie, as our own Chris McCoy calls it. That's the path back to normal, y'all. That's the only path. So let's get normal. Let's hug. Let's high five again. On the show today, we'll do MemberNet, of course, and there was just some internet gold this week, y'all. We're going to do news, of course. Frank Murtaugh will talk sports with us. The uh, the Tigers won the NIT, and the Redbirds return soon, and there's going to be more sports news there. We'll also check in with Jackson Baker. He wrote this week about the changing of the name of the federal courthouse downtown. He calls the move a seismic shift in racial sensibilities. And last but definitely not least, if you've seen our cover this week, you know we were winging it. Chicken wings, hot wings, party wings. If it was a wing, we ate it and we wrote about it. And now this is one of those assignments when I tell people that I ate Ching's hot wings for work. 
they sort of marvel, like who gets to who gets to eat hot wings for work? And we'll have all that meaty, juicy, delicious hotness for you today on Radio Flyer. I think that's I think that's everything. Okay, so here we go. start the show this week just like we do every week with a look at that sandbox survivor series we call the memornet instagram user eric huber is recreating rust hall the iconic building central to the former memphis college of art campus in minecraft the whys of this project don't matter at all it's simple internet genius krogerin Next door Kroger Bash is still burning after user Patty Ward complained last week that after 35 years of shopping at the Union Avenue location, she'll never shop there again. The post had racked up 229 comments as of press time. The discussion ranged from whether or not the issue was an issue at all, Big Brother, other Kroger locations, other stores, missing Cecil's, and a proposed 30-day ban on bashing Kroger on Union on next door. The post followed a March 15th post from Rita Baker calling the Union Kroger, quote, the worst grocery store on the planet. Explaining, this week, YouTuber Memphis News broke down the confusion over rapper Pooh Shiesty's recent diss of South Memphis. That's his own neighborhood. He says, sometimes when a rapper gets big, their neighborhood will turn against them, Memphis News said on YouTube. A lot of the time, it's the rapper's fault because they'll be doing some stuff I can't say on the radio, but that you can go read in the Memphis Flyer. Pick it up. All right, we're going to have a look at the week that was. This is the week, the news of the week before. Shots opened. Local leaders opened COVID-19 vaccine appointments to all adults last week. The move came after state officials said that they would begin opening appointments to all adults no later than April 5th. State officials also allowed counties to move through vaccine phases as they chose. The Electric Highway, the Tennessee Valley Authority, the TVA, is leading a new multi-year plan to electrify roads from Chicago to Orlando and from Richmond to West Texas. Six major utilities, including TVA, formed the Electric Highway Coalition earlier this month for a network of charging stations along roads in 16 states in the south and parts of the Midwest. The plan strives for a seamless network of D.C. fast charging stations so that those with electric cars can travel greater distances without the worry of range anxiety. The chargers for the stations will be on major routes and capable of getting drivers back on the road within 20 to 30 minutes. Another news story here, Riversided, thoughts divided on the reopening of Riverside Drive. Leaders of two downtown neighborhood groups disagreed last week on the recent reopening of Riverside Drive, but both share concerns about safety on the street, especially in the wake of the shooting of a 13-year-old girl there recently. Riverside Drive reopened permanently to full-time car traffic on Friday, March 12th. The street between Union and Georgia was closed to automobile traffic by City of Memphis officials in March 2020. That move was part of the Safer at Home order to limit capacity at city parks, including Tom Lee Park, on the Memphis Riverfront. Riverside was reopened to traffic during weekdays in August, 
but the parking lot to Tom Lee Park remained closed in an effort to limit capacity at the park. The street has for years been closed for nearly two months each year for the Memphis and May International Festival. Two men shot at each other from cars on Riverside when the street opened nearly two weeks ago. Bullets from one of those cars struck a 13-year-old girl riding a scooter near the street. The reopening was pushed in part by the Downtown Neighborhood Association. Jared Price, the group's president, said in a statement that the closure was, quote, problematic for disabled Memphians who could not use Riverside to access the park. The Downtown Neighborhood Association said Front Street neighborhoods, quote, grew very concerned about the increased traffic on their street. The DNA said it convened a committee of other downtown neighborhood associations, and nearly all in that group, quote, voiced their desire for the street to be reopened, the concerns of its closure, and how it adversely affects them and the people within their neighborhoods. We are happy this taxpayer-paid-for byway is restored once again, Price said in a statement. However, we are not blind to the safety challenges and issues we face with this street. As with many other streets in our city, Cruising and lawbreakers make this street sometimes unsafe for pedestrians and cyclists. A 2020 survey from the South Main Association found that most, 53%, supported a permanent closure of Riverside, and most, 62%, said they felt safer with the street closed. Eric Bourgeois, president of the South Main Association, said no notice of the reopening was given to South Main residents, a move that was, quote, disheartening to say the least. Since last fall, all Memphians had access to a vehicle-free Riverside Drive on weekends, he said in a statement. This enabled people to enjoy bike rides, dog walks, strolls with friends, and immediate access to Tom Lee Park. Now, downtowners have to, once again, hear the roaring of modified pipes as people with no regard for pedestrians zoom up and down the street until the wee hours of the night, especially on weekends. As I'm sure you know, these activities resulted in a teenager being shot last week. Jackson Baker is our politics editor over at the Memphis Flyer. Good morning, Jackson. How are you? Good morning, Toby. You wrote about something really interesting this week. The federal courthouse downtown got a new name. How did it get there? Well, it was a slow, osmotic kind of process. It was, you know, there was an element to it that was very much like the furor over the statue of Nathan Bedford Forest and what was then Forest Park and is now Health Sciences Park. But it was a quieter pro and more long-range process. It, at one time, it was the Clifford Davis Federal Building. Clifford Davis was a long-term congressman from Memphis, from what was then the 10th District when he was first entered, then later became the 9th District. At a certain point in the evolution of local society, Odell Horton, a very distinguished African-American gentleman, had his name added to it to kind of balance things out. So, you, so it was called uh, unwieldy name of Clifford Davis Odell Horton Federal Building. Steve Cohen, our uh, congressman right now from the 9th District, moved successfully in Congress with the unanimous consent of his colleagues in the Tennessee delegation, Republican and Democratic, to purge the name of Cliff Davis from the federal building, and henceforth it will be called the Odell Horton Federal Building. Clifford Davis first became prominent in the 1920s when he won a city judge's race with the support of the Ku Klux Klan. And aside from being a kind of right-wing person, 
he was a pretty good politician, so eventually he inveigled himself into the good graces of the Crump machine, which governed Memphis politics, as you know, for decades and decades. And with the Crump machine support, he he went from that initial job to that of a city commissioner, where he ran public safety. He was he was the man in charge of the knuckle knuckle squad, you know, and kept everybody in line. And then after that, in 1940, he had the opportunity to run for Congress with Crump support. Ran and if he had Crump support in those days, he won. There was no two ways to it. So he won. And once he became ensconced in that congressional position, he tended to stay there. And Odell Horton, meanwhile, had the difficult situation that faced African-Americans. He worked himself up slowly without any help from any big machine. And he had several really important jobs. After graduating from Morehouse College in Atlanta, he, he uh, was a assistant U.S. attorney at one point. He, he was president of Lemoyne Owen College at, at another point. And eventually, he did receive that judgeship. He was a distinguished man. And at a certain point, he had his name added to the, the federal building in order to balance these two eras of Memphis history. The first era uh, was one of a dominated Memphis in which the Ku Klux Klan could play a prominent part. The second era, the one we are still in, is a, is a much more diverse era in which the Ku Klux Klan is beyond the pale. And finally, it was just Cohen just realized, as the, care, as the current caretaker of that seat and that history, that the, some change needed to be made to signify that we were not where we used to be. If we can take down far statues, we can get rid of a Klansman's name on our federal building. And so he, he introduced a resolution in Congress which had unanimous state support and is on its way to being reality. That will henceforth be the Odell Horton the federal building. So, you know, sometimes justice does triumph, and that's what has happened with the federal building. It's amazing, and as you wrote, this is a seismic shift here and one that happened really, really quietly, which is really interesting. This is a story I hadn't read anywhere else before I read it in the Memphis Flyer, so I want to say, Jackson, thanks so much for being on top of this and bringing us this story. I appreciate you, sir. Frank Murtaugh, as you know, has been writing sports for the Memphis Flyer for a very, very long time, and he's always always on top of it. Today is a good day for Frank because, as he just told me, it's the opening day for his beloved St. Louis Cardinals. Is that right, Frank? Yeah, man. Yeah, April 1st. First true opening day for Major League Baseball in two years, buddy. So so my oxygen levels are where they should be. <laughs> I love it. So so Frank gets to go back to baseball. Here just recently, the University of Memphis Tigers men's basketball won the NIT. Is that right? That's right, man. Yeah, yeah. remarkable run. It was. Uh, it's a somewhat amazing season, Toby, that the Tigers were shut down twice for COVID-related reasons, uh, lost a total of eight games. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, no college basketball team wants to play in the NIT. It's that other tournament, right. you know. But every year, one team ha- has sort of a character check and goes out and actually wins the darn thing. And, and this year, that was the Memphis Tigers. And it was uh, it was an impressive two-week run for, for Penny's team. How big a deal is winning the NIT? You know, it's... It's a big deal to the team who wins it. That, that's the way I would put it. Okay. You know, the, this year the the field was reduced from thirty two to sixteen, and those other fifteen teams, I, I don't think they'd tell you it's a big deal. But 
when you're able to finish a season on a winning note, and particularly one that involves a, a big shiny trophy, I'd say that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, it's something you can build on with the players who come back. And I'm going to put an asterisk on that, that comment right there with the players who come back for the next season that you, you know what it's like to gel and perform in a, you know, win or go home situation, whether that's, you know, the official March madness event or, you know, in the Tigers case, NIT. Now that asterisk, you already have had three of Penny Hardaway's nine rotation players announce they're transferring, including Boogie Ellis, who, who led the team in scoring in the, in the championship game in Texas. So, you know, the transition from one year to the other, is more it's more significant toby than it than it's ever been okay. in college basketball with this transfer portal because you know penny hardaway and every coach in america is is basically building his team for a one season run now there'll be some holdovers i, I would think lester quinones is going to be back alex lomax a young man who's played for penny since he was in middle school he'll be back for his senior year but you can't you know when i was 20 years old when i was 15 years old you could look at your your, your favorite college basketball team and counting your sophomores being juniors and your juniors being seniors and somewhat project what the next year might be. That's harder to do right now. But for this moment, for, for 2021, particularly in light of all we've dealt with, with, with the pandemic, the Tigers winning that championship is, is going to be, you know, it, 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 it's worthy of raising a banner at FedEx Forum. And, and I have been on the record for saying that NIT banners need to be taken down because they, uh, you know, they, they're not what, they're not what what's targeted by college basketball right. teams these days. It's still the other tournament. But when you win the darn thing, yeah, Toby, it's a big deal. And, and that banner should 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 be in lights. Fantastic. Well, I'll agree with it just because you agree with it, because uh, Frank knows more about sports than I'll ever know. Moving on to, <laughs> what does Ted Lasso say? You can fill two internets with what I don't know about sports, but uh, if Frank says it, that's <laughs> the gold standard for me. Maybe so. But also moving on to the Redbirds. I know that they just uh, announced their schedule. Looks like they're going to come back and, and have in-person games and stuff. Is that right? What, what do you know about the, the Redbirds coming up season? Yeah, yeah, Toby. It's, it's uh, you know, the Redbirds, minor league baseball was hurt as much as any sports entity by the, the pandemic last year. And that, you know, they, they just shut down. And, you know, Major League Baseball and, and other, you know, sports, the NBA, the NHL, they were able to to capture some some television and sponsorship revenue playing in empty arenas. Well, that, that doesn't work in minor league baseball. So the Redbirds, you know, our friends at, at Third and Union are getting their ship back in order. And come come May 4th, I believe, is, is opening day. It was pushed back a month, Toby, okay. I think, for logistic reasons. And maybe also, uh, you know, a timing component, trying to see if, you know, how this vaccination movement works. And it, it's in their interest to get as many people in the stadium on game nights as they can. And, and for minor league baseball, that includes, you know, Wednesday night in May, uh, not just your Saturday night, July fireworks bash. Right. So uh, it's an interesting business model, uh, you know, interesting, maybe seen by some as a euphemism. It's a challenging business model, sure. minor league baseball, but uh, you know, the Redbirds will be starting things up and it's a, it's a new structure that minor league baseball has now, Toby, there's no more Pacific Coast League. Okay. The Redbirds won't be playing the likes of, there's no more Albuquerque trips or Reno, Fresno, Tacoma, going way out west. Instead, the minor leagues have been sort of divided into regional leagues and divisions. So Memphis is going to be competing in a, in a division, the, the AAA Southeast, with the likes of D the Durham Bulls, the Atlanta Braves affiliate in Gwinnett, Georgia. Okay. 
the Jacksonville jumbo shrimp will be coming to town <laughs> and the Nashville sounds. Yeah. So yeah, all the color of minor league baseball is going to be there and hopefully some new regional rivalries and uh, yeah, come May, you know, that's, that's my home away from home. So I, I hope to be back at AutoZone park probably with a mask and probably not in a, in a group of, you know, 50 or, or 60 people around me, but right. let's hope we get some form of baseball that we get to see live. It, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll make Memphis feel more normal. It will. Absolutely. And I know this time of year is when they usually always look forward to that. Uh, they call it bird watching or they have in the past where you go down to the park and watch batting practice, get a hot dog and a Coke and, uh, and sit around the ballpark and you feel kind of normal. Spring is coming on and you're out outside looking at stuff. And hopefully this year we'll bring a little bit more of all of that back to Memphis. But Frank, thank you so much for keeping an eye on sports for us and, uh, and always just being a good friend to Memphis sports in general. Absolutely. Toby. Thanks for having me, buddy. <laughs> all right. Take care, Frank. See you, man. And as promised, here are some selections from our cover this week called Winging It. It's all about chicken wings. Up first is our editor, Bruce Van Weingarten. Debo's Wings and More. Two locations, 4970 Poplar and 4407 Elvis Presley. Is there such a thing as the godfather of Memphis Wings? If so, the title would probably go to David and Letitia Boyd's Debo's Wings and More. The Voids started their wing business with a dream in a trailer in 1990. That's 31 years of winging it, if you're counting. David says when they started, they were looking for a sauce that could dance. They appear to have found it and more. Now with two locations, Debo serves a full menu that includes seafood, burgers, and other sandwiches, as well as some sassy margarita options. Panty dropper, anyone? Or maybe you're a jungle juice person, but it's still all about the wings, which come with many sauce and size options. You can get party wings or whole wings from five to 100 pieces. Sauces include suicidal, teriyaki, honey hot, honey cold, honey barbecue, and a few more. There are several dry rub options. I went with the honey barbecue whole wings and dang, these wings are cooked to order, not sitting around in a warmer, and you can tell. Mine came out hot, meaty, moist, and spicy, but not with a burn. So good. After 31 years, Debo's sauce can still dance. Up next is our music editor, Alex Green, with his own chicken wing experience. I went to Hobby's Wings in Delhi over on Summer, east of Highland over there. And, you know, dry heat is something Memphians don't have to think about much in their weather or their wings. And that's precisely why that option caught my eye at Hobby's. They were doing a brisk business, and I had to think fast. Would it be one of the classic heavily glazed varieties that so many wing joints offer? Or something new? To a menu ranging from very mild to extremely hot, including honey hot, honey gold, and honey barbecue, as well as savory lemon pepper, garlic parmesan, or teriyaki, was added a note tacked to the bottom. New flavor, dry heat. Remembering all the sauced up wings I'd ever known and loved around town, the dry option called to me, and it did not disappoint. The meat was not dry, but tender and succulent, and the skin had just enough crunch for contrast. 
Compared to typical wings slathered in all manner of gooey sauces, this minimalist approach was a welcome change in texture and taste. Of course, nothing is technically dry once it's dipped in ranch dressing, but even then, the crisper texture was a revelation, and with the dinner roll and carrot and celery sticks, it was a welcome contrast. This Asian-American eatery serves a diverse clientele, and everyone seemed to be a regular. Many were ordering combos of wings and fried fish. But I stuck with the pure wings experience. Like dry rub barbecue, this approach to wings was a delicious change of pace and will surely be a welcome antidote to Memphis summers where the humidity is like a sauce unto itself. Sometimes you just want that crunch. And finally, our own John Sparks visited Uncle Lou's for some chicken wings. Years ago, Food Network star Guy Fieri came to town to sample local delights, including getting splattered in the kitchen at Uncle Lou's fried chicken. That happy visit inspired plenty of business for the eatery and the tagline, Sweet Spicy Love. Now almost 20 years old, the chicken joint run by Lou Martin continues to churn out remarkable dishes, including stunningly good wings. Martin offers whole wings and buffalo wings alongside the usual menu array of chicken, tenders, burgers, and a few other choices. I opted for the whole wings with mild sauce and, despite an initial assertive vinegar attack on the nose, the flavor was perfectly balanced. The wings are hefty and delectable, with mouthfuls of tender meat and loads of crisp skin to savor. The sauce lingers on the taste buds and remains mild-mannered. If you manage to have any left over, heat them up the next day, and they'll still deliver the right amount of sass and joy. Wings and coffee make for a splendid breakfast, especially if you include some of his honey-buttered biscuits that have the power to make a keto devotee fall off the wagon. All right, folks, if that don't make you want a chicken wing, I don't know what will, but uh, thank you all for sticking around listening to us on this first half of Flyer Radio. Please stick around for the second half of the show with our music editor, Alex Green. He's going to be spinning you some records and telling you some tales over there. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week. Y'all have a great weekend. Okay, Alex, take it away. Thank you.